0: Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat this morning. Church, thank you, uh, Dave and Nikki. Appreciate that. And thank you, church, for being here. It's a beautiful day, and it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Amen. It's good to come together and worship him together. Um, I'm excited about this morning because I'm excited about his word, and I'm excited to fellowship with you. And although it's not ideal, the way we're sitting, the way we have to do things, it is nice to be in the house of God with other believers, isn't it? Um, And so my name is Tyler. If I've never met you, I'm the Youth and Families Pastor and uh, would love a chance to meet you at some point. Uh, We've got some exciting things happening in and around our ministry, but I just want to say welcome to you. If you're here in person, welcome. If you are online joining us on Facebook, YouTube, Thank you for joining us, and welcome to you as well. If you haven't filled out a communication card, unfortunately we can't hand you one when you come in the door, but if you go onto our Church Center app, you can fill one of those out. And if you're a first-time guest or visitor, I would encourage you to do that. Download the Church Center app, fill out a communication card. If you're online and uh, you see in the comments section there's a link for that communication card, you can click that link and fill it out there. And, And that will allow us to give you information you need for things happening around our ministry that you and your family can get involved in. And speaking of those things, we announced last week about our kids' ministry and youth ministries kicking back off. You remember that? Oh, oh thank you for your interaction. Appreciate that. So I, I thought for a second I was about to ask a question that you weren't about to answer, and then it gets awkward. So um, thank you for that. Our kids' ministry is officially kicking back off on Sunday morning, October 4th, over in the other building. So we're working really hard, Heather and her team, putting things together uh, to have a full program running uh, safely, securely over there, and uh, abiding by guidelines, but having a good time studying God's word as kids over there, October 4th. Before then, starting next week for two Sundays, okay, I'm excited about this, during right after the second service on Sunday morning, we are gonna do an abbreviated kids ministry in here. Okay, so a little kids program in here. If you have kids, grades fifth grade and below, come to the second service next week, stay for 10 or 15 minutes right after the service, and you are going to get a taste of the kids' ministry and what, what it is like and what it's, it will be like over there. So a lot of fun singing uh, and enjoying time together. Got it? So that's next week after the second service and then October 4th. Our student ministry, grade 6 to 12, is launching our fall kickoff on Wednesday, September 30th. Wednesday, September 30th. Over in the youth building or outside, uh, it's going to be a blast. So if you're in those grades, if you have kids in those grades, grandkids, neighbors, friends, teammates, invite them to that. Um, we will be putting out more information and specific information on how we're going to do that shortly. Okay, so that's September 30th. We want you to be there if you have family. Um, as always, we appreciate, church, your faithfulness in giving, your tithes, and your offerings Um If you are prepared to give this morning uh, and can do that on the way out in the boxes adjacent to the the door, that would be wonderful. And we are still taking collections to partner with local organizations in their food pantries. So we do that in the baskets right outside. And so um, if you come next Sunday, you can bring bags of food or supplies. Um, You can put them in those baskets and we will deliver them. Uh, And they have been incredibly grateful to our church and the amount of stuff that we've been able to provide families who are in need this summer and so thank you church for doing that um at this time i'm going to invite our pastor pastor matt to come up and uh and speak to us today
1: thank you tyler thank you worship team it is good to see you guys today um i feel like it's new year for me because my eagles play today i'm so excited can't wait um whatever that's going to look like, who knows, but it is good, good to be in God's house, good to see the weather finally breaking up here in New York, good to get a little bit of a rest from a a crazy weekend for me, but um, just want to remind you of a couple things, and and God's faithfulness is on display even in our own congregation right here this morning. A couple things, obviously, Kathy Benson is doing well uh, post-surgery this week, and we are praising God for his answered prayers there. Those of you who are aware, Chris Chris Uhas is back with us this morning, and Chris had some interesting challenges, uh, COVID about a month ago or so, and then uh, some difficulties with the gallbladder surgery, so um, I didn't recognize him today without his gallbladder, but he looks so much better, um, but we're just thankful that God has is, is been faithful to him and sustained him in all of this, and, and I don't know if you saw this or not, but earlier this week, uh, one of our missions partners, Chris Moore, who's been here a number of times, uh, missionary partner in Kenya, phenomenal, fruitful ministry, Um, went home to be with the Lord early uh, in the week, and there's no details yet about what went on there, um, but we're just praying for uh, Lisa, his wife, and their children and their family, and just asking God to give a a great sense of discernment and wisdom for how that ministry will continue uh, without Chris at the helm. Um, his dad was a faithful missionary uh, for years before he took the work, and so it is uh, definitely a challenge there. But before we begin this morning, let's just let's open in a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives, for your faithfulness. We rejoice to see the answers to our prayers right in front of us. Uh, thank you for, your, for hearing our cries and being gracious and good to Kathy Benson and to Chris and um, and Lord, we pray for the, the Moore family as they lost their hus- uh, husband and father and missionary partner and uh, God, we don't, we don't really understand all that you do, but we recognize your goodness in all of it and your, your ability to take the broken and the harmful, the, the, the hurtful things of this world and work them together for your glorious purposes. So we pray for your blessing on the Moore family and the services and the ministry that he was part of and God, we just ask for your goodness and grace to be poured out there. We ask today as well that you would open our eyes and our minds and our hearts, that we would see and understand the truth of your word. Thank you that you're not hidden, that you reveal yourself to us. And God, I pray that today we would be uh, attentive students and that we'd be listening to the sound of your spirit's call in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we have, uh, we're in Mark chapter 11. If you want to open your Bibles, you can go there today. Quite an interesting uh, dilemma for us today this this is a holiday it's it's grandparents day so happy grandparents day to all you grandparents thank you for sugaring up our children and relieving us of the burdens of parenting for a while and for uh, generally being a bad example uh, when you when you can we appreciate that so very much Um, but thank you so much grandparents for your hard work and energy and helping us we love you guys but it is not the holiday that the text would demand because as we journeyed through Mark today we find ourselves in the Palm Sunday section of Mark, which is odd, Palm Sunday in September. Now it's a very familiar passage those I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church so I've had 42 or 43 Palm Sundays now that I've been through and I've heard all the palm sunday messages you could think of i mean i've i've heard sermons i probably preached sermons that had nothing to do with palm sunday that i worked into palm sunday because it was palm sunday right so we have heard this story a million times which presents a serious problem for us because we think then that there's not much more we can learn when we come to a very familiar passage right so today, if God would be so good to us, maybe, maybe he would allow us to see some, some new thing that we haven't seen before, or maybe he would allow us just to refine a foundation that we do know, that he would show us again the beauty of his self-revelation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Mark chapter 11. We're going to read it from verse 1 to verse 11. Here's what, here's what Mark tells us. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. All right. Well, as we open the the sermon portion of our service today, we're going to first ponder the approach into Jerusalem. And as Jesus needs to make some preparations for the approach... And we see that Jesus was uh, with the crowd and his disciples, as we learned last week. Remember last week, he healed blind Bartimaeus as he was passing through the city of Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, and there was a large crowd with him, and his disciples were with him. And we said last week that that the disciples are experts at missing the point, and the crowd is often a barrier to people actually coming to faith in Jesus. Quite a mess. It's a wonder, an absolute miracle of God's grace that anybody would come to Jesus between the disciples who get it wrong and the crowd who stands as a barrier. And it's a good reminder to us again today that it is still a miracle of God's grace that any of us would be enlightened and understand the message of truth. Based on the disciples who stumble and get it wrong and a crowd who exists to keep us away from Jesus. But the enlightening, illuminating work of the Spirit still does its job brings life to our hearts, opens our blind eyes that we could see, unstops our deaf ears, and allows us to understand the message and the call of God on our lives. So here we are. we got Jesus, the disciples, the crowd, including the newly healed blind Bartimaeus, who has to change his name now just to Bartimaeus. And he's walking, continuing on their journey. They find themselves approaching Jerusalem. Now, while they're still away from the city, they're not quite in the city yet, In the area of Bethany, Bethpage, and the Mount of Olives, they stop, and Jesus makes a bit of a change to their plans. And it it sounds like, at least from the way Jesus is describing this event, that the disciples didn't really know what was happening here. He selected two disciples. It doesn't tell us who they were. Gosh, I hope it was James and John. Jesus, can we be great? Yeah, why don't you first go find me a donkey? I want you to go on the recon mission. I need you to go secure for me a burrow, right? I hope it was that. Anyway, he doesn't tell us. He just says, hey, I need two volunteers to go into the town and find me a colt. Now, this, this is an intentional plan on Jesus' part. It's it's not this like last minute, oops, I forgot to get a car to get to the city. I need something else here. To, no, no, he, he was planning this all along. One pastor I listened to even suggested that he had prearranged this specific cult with this specific household. And that the words that he uses were actually an agreed upon password, a phrase of, of sorts that was agreed upon that if somebody would give them this password, they would give the donkey he says that because of why the, the why the people around actually let them walk away with an animal that didn't belong to them but i don't want to get ahead of myself here here's what he tells the disciples i want you to go into the village and when you get there this village that's in front of you you will find a colt on which no one has ridden and when you go when you find the colt untie him and bring him to me now if you run into any problems <laughs> He's like, just tell him that God sent you. Sure. Because that works so well, doesn't it? All right. In the Old Testament, interesting points here, guys. In the Old Testament, when a beast of burden was pressed into service for the king, the animal was not taken from the stables. When when an in the Old Testament, when a beast of burden was, was secured for the king's use, they didn't pick the animal from the ranks of the best animals that were out there, the best donkeys, the best horses, the best bird. No, they, they went into the fields and expressly found one that was yet unridden, unbroken, set aside, sanctified, if you will, set apart for only the use of the king. And if you can write this down, you can check 1 Samuel 6, Deuteronomy 21, Numbers 19, if you want to do some research on your own later today. Numbers 19, Deuteronomy 21, 1 Samuel 6. But the the point being that when the king, in the Old Testament especially, needed an animal, they found one that was unwritten and unbroken. There's there's a lot going on behind the scenes here that, that Mark is conveying to us, that Jesus is intending to tell us. He says, when you find the colt, untie it and bring it here. So they went into the city, and they do this the way Jesus had described to them, and it happens just the way he said. They walk in, they find the animal, they begin to untie the animal, and somebody confronts them. Somebody says to them, hey, listen, what are you doing? What, What do you think you're doing? Hey, buddy, what are you doing with my animal over there? And they said, just like the Lord tells them, it's okay, it's for the Lord. Oh, well, in that case, go ahead. Right? Now, can you imagine what would happen if you were outside watering your grass and a, and a group of folks show up at your house, walk into your neighbor's driveway, open the door, get in their car, start it up and begin to back out, and their son comes down and says, Hey, hey, buddy, what are you doing with my dad's car? And they say, It's okay, son. The Lord needs it. Oh, well, go ahead. Of course. I didn't realize that it, I didn't realize God was coming for my Toyota. Yes. The whole experience has very much it has that Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi mind trick. Try to, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Okay right it, it has this weird sense so that's why one of the pastors that i listened to suggested that this was like an agreed upon passphrase now whether it was agreed upon or not i don't know is it possible that the lord who made the mind of man can could can so control the mind of man that through the power of the holy spirit he could get these people to agree yes it's absolutely possible and just like him to do that actually The whole world is held together by the word of his power. If he wants to, he can change the way we think at any moment. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why he did it that way, but he did. They walked in. They said, you can't leave here with that donkey. You can't walk out of here. You didn't pay for that. He said, it's okay. It's the Lord's. And they went. They go back to Jesus and they find him. As the colt is delivered to Jesus in verse 7, they begin to create like a saddle. They take a a bunch of coats and lay them on the back of the donkey so Jesus could sit on them and ride into town. Now, J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, made this observation about this makeshift saddle. So this was in perfect keeping with all the tenor of Jesus' ministry. He never had any of the riches of this world. When he crossed the Sea of Galilee it was in a borrowed boat. And when he rode into the holy city, it was on a borrowed beast. And when he was buried, it was in a borrowed tomb. So here we find Jesus on a borrowed beast with a makeshift saddle of the cloaks of his followers. They lay the coats down on the back of the donkey and Jesus took a seat and begins to ride into the city of Jerusalem. And then the Bible tells us that as he sat down and rode into the city, making his approach, that many of the others laid their cloaks down in front of him. like Almost like a red carpet of coats that the donkey walked on. And others who were there, the crowd and the disciples, ran into the fields that were close by and cut off stalks, leafy branches, and began to lay them down. This is where we get the Palm Sunday title, as they cut the palm branches off and laid them down for a a carpet of sorts for him to ride on. And as they did that, the crowds around them begin to shout out something very specific. They shout out, Hosanna, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is such an interesting procession here. The, The donkey, the cloaks, the palm branches, the singing, Quite a commotion here to, for, to announce Jesus' final push into Jerusalem. They say, they say, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. I want you to know today that this is not a random or haphazard message. This isn't a chant that was just thrown together on the road. The crowd's proclamation here is intentional and purposeful. Jesus Jesus's choices about his approach were intentional and purposeful. This whole experience is absolutely loaded with expectation and anticipation and specifically messianic expectation and anticipation. If we if you have your bibles, jump back to Zechariah chapter 9 which is only a, a couple books to the left. Don't get, don't go too far. In my Bible, it's only like 50 pages or so. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine. Here's what the prophet says then. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then he talks about how, if you jump ahead, how the Lord will save his people. That he's going to appear over them in verse, verse 14. His arrow will go forth like lightning, the Lord God will sound trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones. And they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, Zechariah says, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people. For like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is beauty grain shall make the young men flourish, and the new wine, the young women. When Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, riding on an unbroken donkey, and the people lay down palm branches in front of him and sing blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they are making a direct tie from Jesus back to Zechariah the prophet announcing the coming king of Israel. This whole experience is loaded with messianic expectation. And you might wonder, well, why, why the cloaks? Well, if you have some time later today, go to 2 Kings chapter 9 and you'll see what happened when Jehu is anointed king. And as he leaves and he's descending the, the stairs of the temple, the young men around him lay their cloaks at his feet because he's the king. What what is happening here? Jesus is being clearly announced as the Messiah. He is clearly revealing his identity as the King of Israel. And in this moment, the crowds get so much right and simultaneously almost everything wrong. Like how in the world is that even possible? That on one hand, they're absolutely correct This is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And simultaneously, they're absolutely wrong because the way they thought about the Messiah was so upside down. They were so confused when it came to the essence and to the nature of the kingdom that Jesus would be bringing. You see, the crowd wasn't thinking in terms of a spiritual kingdom, and the crowd wasn't thinking of the fulfillment of the law and of the forgiveness of sin. They were thinking in terms of earthly kingdoms. They were thinking in terms of a national revival. They were thinking in terms of liberation from Roman oppression and occupation. Later, you remember, they ask him, is it now? Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And so, we find ourselves once again with this, bl- like the blind guy in, in chapter 8. They have a glimpse of, the blind man at Bethsaida. They have a glimpse of Jesus' identity. They kind of understand it, but it's still fuzzy to them. It's still unclear. They, they still see men walking around. It looks like trees. They're not quite sure what exactly we're looking at. As Jesus arrives into Jerusalem, he wanders around a little bit, but it's late And so because it's late in the evening, he looks around the temple, but the city wasn't as full as it normally would be, not this this time of year. So he he determines to go home. He'd be back. He'd come back the following day. And in that following day, he would cleanse the temple. We'll learn about that soon. And he'll begin a very public final week of ministry. But that would have to wait. Wait till the crowds return. Wait till the bustle of the day when his announcement and his message would be seen by the most people. For now, the Bible tells us that he simply returns to the town of Bethany with his disciples. Okay, so what? What are we to make of that today? We're, we're, not, we're not preparing our hearts for, for Easter Sunday. We're not. It, it feels weird to hit this passage in the middle of September, I'm not going to lie. It would be like preaching preaching through Luke chapter 2 in the middle of the summer. It just would seem odd to be rehearsing the Christmas story when it's not, you know, 24 degrees below zero with a foot of snow outside, like it is up here, right? So, it, what, next week, right, Dave, next week it's coming. What, what do we make of this today? And the, there's one big point that Mark is making here, and, and I hope you can see it today, that, that there's a clear line of distinction now in Mark's gospel. Remember, we, we talked last week that, that when Bartimaeus was healed, he was the second blind man healed in a section of cha- from chapter 8 to the end of chapter 10. And we talked about how in the first part of chapter 8, the blind guy was healed in two stages, and, it, and the next few chapters showed us that even the disciples of Jesus, who were close to Jesus had a glimpse of who he was, but still failed to understand his identity. And simultaneously, the blind, the poor, the the needy could see clearly who Jesus was. And his, his identity has been concealed up to this point. Remember how he's telling people, go and be quiet, don't tell anybody what I'm doing for you? His identity has been veiled up to this point. He's actually tried on several occasions to keep a lid on his reputation. But something happens here at chapter 11 that kind of introduces a new movement in the gospel of Mark. He's no longer concerned now with concealing and veiling his identity. Now it seems as though all bets are off. That effort has ceased. He enters Jerusalem with a bit of fanfare. Almost for the first time. With people shouting and singing and laying down their coats and making a ruckus everywhere he goes. He is announcing his arrival as clearly as he knows how. He is demonstrating to the people in Jerusalem, to God's people, His identity as the Messiah and the King of the Jews. And over the final few chapters of Mark, we are going to watch as he ministers in a very public way. Culminating with a very public death and public resurrection and appearances. Mark is intending to tell us something very important about the identity of Jesus. He is exactly who the Old Testament prophesied him to be. He is the king of Israel. He is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, who has come. He is the king who will, in fact, restore the kingdom to Israel, although not just yet. Even though the disciples missed it, he is inaugurating a new kingdom. He has inaugurated a new kingdom. He's coming again soon to fully establish that new kingdom. He's exactly who he said he was, and he makes it very publicly clear. And secondly today... This passage, as I pondered this week and prayed about about how to teach this portion of scripture, my attention was drawn to the wonderful reality that Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, has not concealed his identity to me. That instead, by his own intentions and grace, in very purposeful ways over the course of my life, he pulled back the veil over my eyes and he showed me who he was. He is no longer concealed. He is the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. He was buried and rose again the third day, clearly revealing to all that he is the Savior and the King and that all who believe on him can be forgiven of their sins and have everlasting life. The arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem and his revelation of himself as the king of Israel causes me to allow my own heart to wander and remember the great lengths God went to in order to reveal himself to me. And some of you know my story. I grew up in the church. And my story starts because God in his mercy and grace revealed himself to my mom and dad when they were just a young married couple. 20 and 21 years old, living across the ocean, serving our, our country, my dad was stationed in Europe, they went to a little missionary Baptist church and they heard the gospel preached for the first time, and God opened their eyes and let them see, and me and my sisters grew up in, the, in a Christian home under the teaching of the gospel in good Bible-believing churches, and I've told you this before, there was never a point in my whole life where I didn't know that Jesus died on the cross to save people from their sins. Never in all my life was I ever apart from that knowledge. And that is not because I was a special person. And that wasn't because my parents were moral people. That was because God in his mercy was revealing himself to me. But do you know it took me 16 years of wandering under the shadow of good gospel preaching before the Lord finally awakened my senses and opened my eyes? It wasn't until I was a teenager that I finally put all the dots together and realized this isn't just good news in general, this is good news for me. Because I need to repent of my sin, my self-righteousness, my trust in my own good deeds, and I need Jesus to save me. And he didn't do any of that because I was a good person. He didn't do any of that because of of all the potential I offered the kingdom of God. Because seriously, all the potential I could offer the kingdom of God and a one50 I'll buy you a small cup of coffee. I don't have anything to give. He didn't, he didn't look down the future road of my life and see all the good that I would do and think I have to have him on my team. God revealed himself in mercy and grace for no other reason than I desperately needed him, it pleased him to reconcile me to himself through the death of Jesus, and it gave him glory that he could take somebody as busted as me and do something moderately good with it. And as I read the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, announcing his presence, I think of all the people who preached the gospel to me over the years. And in the patient and long-suffering long ways that God himself was tugging at my heart. And I say all that to, to you today in the same light. I don't know your story, and I don't know where you started, I don't know where you are in the journey, but it's possible that maybe some of you are like me, and you saw a glimpse of who Jesus was, but you didn't get it all clearly, and the Spirit for years has been revealing, uncovering layer after layer after layer, And maybe today you would recognize him for who he is. The son of God, the lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, dead and buried, risen again the third day according to the scriptures. Maybe today would be your day of salvation. Will you recognize the coming kingdom, the spirit kingdom that God is bringing to us has arrived in Jesus Christ. And that through repentance, turning away from your sin, and faith, trusting in him, You can be forgiven of sin, cleansed from all unrighteousness, secured in his family, adopted, considered one of his own, and have a home in heaven secured for you. And whether you're here in the room or watching online, all you need to do in order to receive that gift of grace is exercise faith in Jesus. You don't have to come here. You don't have to fill anything out. You don't have to give me your social security number. Thank God. You don't have to do any of that. You simply need to express faith in Christ. Believe who he says he is. Trust him for the salvation that he offers you. And walk with God. The arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem causes me to remember when Jesus revealed himself to me. And then causes me great joy as I think about all he's done in my life since. The places he's brought me, the things he's done. The more of him that he's revealed to me through suffering and humility and trials and grace along the way. What a gift that the God we serve is not hidden, but that he discloses himself to us that we might know him and find life in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message of your word. Thank you for the arrival of Jesus, that Palm Sunday. Thank you for the the way that you have revealed him to us as well. I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room and who are watching at home that we would Allow our hearts to be warmed and and encouraged today as we think about where we were when you showed yourself to us, when we think about what you've done in us since that great day. I pray for those who are still wrestling with your identity, struggling to try to put the pieces together. God, I pray that you would, by your mercy, show them clearly who you are. Reveal yourself to them. Draw them to yourself in repentance and faith, that they might know you and find life abundantly. Lord, I pray that we would be also people who are on the lookout for those who need to hear this message, that we would do our part in announcing the coming kingdom, that we would be ambassadors and evangelists and preachers and servants in the name of Jesus, that the world might see your love for them through our love for them. And we pray that, God, you'd bring a great harvest in this time. The people that we know and love need to hear about the message of the gospel. I pray that you would reap a wonderful harvest in this, in this era and this time and use us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, those of you who are watching from home, we have to say goodbye. Thank you for tuning in with us this morning. We'll be back at 9 and 11 next week, and we hope to see you there The rest of you who are here with us, go ahead and stand and we will conclude our service with a few songs today.